like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk and welcome to the latest edition of the just not sports podcast this is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like just not sports on today's show we'll stop being polite and start getting real with ray austin an nfl player who went on to reality tv on bravo and later to set the all-time record for most tv cops played in one lifetime (laughs) Adam, that is unconfirmed. Also, with the words of Lady Gaga still ringing in our ears, we'll recount our best and worst memories of the Star-Spangled Banner in sports. Carl Lewis, we apologize in advance. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me in studio this week is a leading sports media strategist who has worked for the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many, 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 many global sports brands. It's Adam Willard. Adam. Hey. Welcome. A, I think we've been over this before. That's a, <laughs> like, that, like Gareth, I know you're about to get to him, but Gareth wins awards. I set up media interviews on Radio Row. I just like, you can't compare what we do, really. Well, yeah, because yours is way more important. <laughs> I was going to say, you can actually, I spend money, you make money for people. (laughs) That's true. Well, we'll just keep going with that since people pay that money, maybe listening. And also with us. Homeboys, I am a cost center. So. (laughs) Fair. And also with us, they call him the cost center. It's Emmy winning producer, Gareth Hughes. (laughs) Gareth, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, fellas, I'm just off the Super Bowl. I hope you guys had a good time. I actually, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, with that in mind, I do have to say I'm joining you not from a studio, but from my house. And so if you hear uh, the sounds of a four-year-old and a 15-month-old in the background, my wife is plenty sick of parenting after doing it alone for about two weeks. So I'm helping her out tonight. Uh, I just want to also inform our listeners, um, I did not enjoy Super Bowl week. So if you hear crying, it may not be Garrett's kids, <laughs> but me sobbing quietly in the corner. That's there. Usually there's a chair slam against the wall accompanied with your crying, though. So yeah. people know the difference. That's fair. That's fair. And then real quick, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for producer extraordinaire, a Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, what do you have to say for yourself? And we didn't give him a mic this week. Sorry. Here's America. the great thing about Joe is I think a lot of a lot of us are well, us three who have mics are a little bit delirious from Super Bowl week. Um, but Joe always comes with the same positive, young, not beaten down attitude. And I really appreciate it. We do appreciate that, Joe. You're a smile on the, on the face of America. Uh, Adam, how was your Super Week? You were also in San Francisco with Gareth. I was not. I was back home in Chicago. Good. We had some early call times. Uh, in order how early? To, um, on Friday, we took J.J. Watt to the Good Morning America set, and I was up at 3 a.m. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I was, I was going to guess 3 to 4 to hit East Coast time for your media. Stuff. Yeah, and we did a pretty good job among our team of dividing up the times, but it was early mornings. The good news is then we were done by noon with actual interviews. And then it was only another uh, eight to 10 hours of work on your laptop after that. So all in all, 
you know, 18 hour days. It was fun. Yeah, that's how we roll. I was doing 20 hours back here from Chicago and oh. uh, not enjoying it. For the folks listening, we've been complaining pretty, pretty relentlessly for a few weeks about all the work that goes into Super Bowl from both the uh, editorial production side as well as the marketing brand PR side that Adam and I are on. Uh, and we don't mean to make it seem like it's a, it totally drab. It's just a lot to do. But Gareth, you said you had a particularly rewarding experience. Um, what, just what was what made this year so so much fun? I, I mean, it, it just I think any I, I work on it from the broadcasting side, and anytime you can do something that that many people are going to see, it's really satisfying from an ego standpoint. Bluntly, mm-hmm. I just, I remember um, it's long hours, but like. I did the sort of work that I love doing where the stakes are high. It's challenging, but the rewards are that 111 million people get to see what you did. And I just remember going to bed really, really late on Friday night after leaving our edit at the stadium in Santa Clara. And as I was falling asleep, just sort of thinking to myself, I want to work on more events like this. This is what really excites me. And then it occurred to me, there are very few events of this scale in the world. I mean, the Oscars are big and they're annual, but even then there's nothing with sort of the scale and scope. Uh, There's no annual event with the scale and scope of the Super Bowl. And I think as somebody who only gets to work on it every third year, that becomes a privilege. And it's just, it's fun challenging large large scale work and i just enjoyed it and you know if you got into this is one of those times where i kind of wanted to say we got into sports for a reason and uh that was the reason you know it was just it was fun also uh i would also like to note that peter king flies coach so that all the listeners should know that he needs fodder for the column, man. He's That's got right. the he's got the travel Starwood travel points and all those sections to fill out. You don't you don't go, hey, another great day in first class, but the peanuts were a little less warm than last time. <laughs> you fly coach, man. You're right. I, I yeah. say all that noting that he will not be my hammer this week. Okay. All right. Well I set up a couple uh, athlete interviews for him, so we can get him. All right. Him. Peter, all come right. on the there show. There we go. We'll do it. Um all right. I well, want to talk get- to okay. Secondary hammer, Peter King on flying coach. All right. Okay. Fair. fair. Or on travel. Uh, we've covered travel before. Yeah. Maybe some, something else. Well, to the listeners, uh, enough about us and working the Super Bowl. Let's get to you, the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies who make this show so successful. If you listen to the show, we always encourage you to rate and review us and subscribe on iTunes. And for the people who do, we always name an iTunes comment of the week. This week, it's from This Lady Said It. So this one's going out to the lady. This was not me. This is, this is exciting. All right. Well, it, I, I don't believe you because this commenter said, I don't like sports. I love this show. Also, Adam's voice puts a spark in the parts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Puts a what? Puts a spark in the parts. Gareth, uh, what do you make of that? Uh, I, I, all I know is that my wife clearly agrees and, uh, this was not her comment. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'm taking it back. I haven't read this. So I'm completely unprepared and thank you. 
Yeah, normally I I say something pithy, but this was just kind of gross. <laughs> but in a good way. I mean, hey, he does it. This lady said it. He does it to me and Joe, too. No harm, no well, foul. Well, I purposely put a spark in Joe's parts. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You don't uh, know what that means, do you? You're getting a little bit concerned. He is. Joe's shaking his head, yes. As you know, if you listen to the show, we don't just invite people on. We publicly shame them until they join us. So it's time to slam the hammer, as we call it, on a few unsuspecting souls from the sports world who just happen to express an interest in something publicly and therefore are legally obligated to join Just Not Sports to talk about it. So, Adam, who are you going to slam the hammer to this week, buddy? So as I, I think you guys probably all do from time to time, you think, whatever happened to that guy? There was a player named Myron Roll, All-American player for Florida State, who opted really to do other things other than an NFL career, got a, received a Rhodes Scholarship um, while studying at Florida State, took off a year from football, studied at Oxford, was eventually drafted and didn't last long in the league. And a lot of it, he thought, was because of the perception by the NFL and the personnel in the NFL who thought, this guy has options other than football. We really don't want this guy. And I think that's interesting because I think we've had this discussion when we've talked about him on Shumpert rapping and people yep. criticizing him of like, there's, is there in any other profession, would you criticize a guy for having outside interests? Um, so like, Hey, a lot of people who study accounting, take a year off and go backpacking in Europe before they go work for a firm. It doesn't seem like the worst thing to do something else other than your job. But I think Byron Roll was unfairly kicked out of the NFL um, by all indications, a talented player, but never made it. I'd like to talk to him about why. And just so you guys know, Adam is citing a recent study that said 95% of accountants go to Europe backpacking. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Did you say a lot of accountants? <laughs> from, from That study was done by Oxford, ironically. Oh, Byron Roll. That, that's what he did. <laughs> his, Byron Roll uh, did that on his Rhodes Scholarship. <laughs> yeah. He, was actually, he actually studied medical anthropology which i find to be an interesting wow. field but he is currently or or last we checked he was at university of florida uh medical school earning his doctorate so let's absolutely have him on because yeah. I, I got a lot of run back in the day when it was happening and it's one of those stories that gets forgotten about but it should be consistently touted as like hey athletes some athletes are doing great breakthrough work so congrats to myron let's get him on yeah gareth well, who do you want to slam also, the hammer to I, this week? I agree. hold on I agree with Adam 100%, and I think it's just totally bizarre that a 21-year-old who's clearly this intelligent and has interests uh, could be uh, – vilified is a strong word, but just like judged so harshly for it. Uh, especially, you know, one thing that struck me being around the Super Bowl the last two weeks and seeing the guys playing in it, number one – the pressure on these guys is so crazy. Like, I know they get paid and endorsements, yada, yada, yada. The pressure is bonkers. I would think having another outlet isn't the worst thing. So you don't just sit there and obsess about football and crumple under it. And number two, specific to the Myron Roll case, these guys are so in touch with their bodies. I mean, they they have taken on this sport and engaged in this like as a way to test their limits and see what they can do. I would think that studying medicine wouldn't be the worst thing for somebody who wanted to undertake something as rigorous right. on the human body as football. Uh, and I think he speaks to, as Adam put it, just sort of like 
the generalization that you got to eat, tr- breathe, and drink football and nothing else. I, I I have to think there's a better way. Just like on I'm sports not- is based on the idea that there's a better way. Yeah, and I'm not going to fault a guy for being a doctor. Uh, you know, I mean, like, thank you, thank you for your service to the world. Um, also, just real quick, you met Gareth. You mentioned, you know, athletes being in touch with their bodies, also in touch with, with with bodies. This lady said it. Our commenter from iTunes, who said that Adam's voice puts a spark in her parts. So, good stuff. Adam is in touch with everyone's bodies. Maybe I've said something inspiring from a leadership perspective, or yeah, I've had an sure. insightful quote. That really just like touched her in a moving way. I don't think it means what you think it means. I'm sure it's not a comment from your mom who says she still hurts from squeezing out <laughs> six foot five Adam. I was nine pounds. <laughs> She's five foot four. I was nine five. You were? Yeah. Cool. Big baby. Wow. I was wow. the Glenn Davis of <laughs> white kids in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth, who There's got to be another term better than Glenn Davis of white kids in the 70s. Yeah. Isn't there a huge white kid of the 70s? 70s? But he, he's a, the big baby. Time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, Gareth, who do you want to slap the hammer to this week? Uh, being at the Super Bowl this week reminded me of the first Super Bowl I ever went to. It was Super Bowl 42 in Arizona. I was working for the New England Patriots. And on the Monday night of Super Bowl week, they had a big players-only party that I somehow invite, got invited to. And I ended up at some bar... I think it's called the Pussycat Lounge just outside of uh, Phoenix. I got incredibly drunk. At one point, I brought my boss a drink, and he had two other drinks in his hands. He was like, this party's getting a little out of control. I lost. I ended up throwing up in the bushes, which is not a good look. I lost not one but two cell phones because I lost my personal and work cell phone that night. And the next morning was media day at the stadium and Matt Light left tackle of the Super Bowl a uh, Super Bowl winning left tackle for the New England Patriots walked in that next morning and just took one look at me and said how you doing big guy um but he Matt Light of those Patriots teams was the player that I had the best relationship with and we talked a lot about uh, outdoor life, Oki flathead noodling, which I know came up in the first episode, although I was not here, and various things like that. So I would like to throw the hammer down to Matt Light and talk about hunting, fishing, that book I gave you, Noodling for Flatheads by Burkhard Bilger, New Yorker writer. Um, and that is my hammer. Matt Light, come on the show and teach us how to hunt and fish. Yes. Nice. Also, for it. the Sparkle Ponies who are Patriots fans, uh, Garrett's lost cell phones is the reason the Pats never signed uh, a number two wide receiver <laughs> for those three years after. Sorry. I lost my media credential at my first Just, Super Bowl in Detroit as well. I almost lost my ticket in 2010. I, I put it in my coat pocket at a corporate event and it fell out and someone oh, ran out of the bathroom and yeah. handed it to me. Like the nicest person ever is handing a Super Bowl ticket to a stranger in the bathroom. That's right. Yeah. Um, Wait, you, all right, you so lost your my credential? Hammer. Yeah, I lost wow. my credential uh, in Detroit and I had to go back to the office the next day and beg for a new one. Yeah. Well, Did Jerome Bettis give it to you? Yes, that's how it went. Exactly. Yeah, nice. So my hammer, guys, is going out to Chris Long, defensive tackle from the Rams. In fact, I also believe we've invited on Kyle Long, his brother. Right. 
Chris Long, I stumbled upon on Twitter doing something really interesting, like really, really interesting. He takes photos of miniature items, like action figure type miniatures, almost like toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. And he puts them into real world environments and takes photos of them where they look like, you know, if they're on a mound of dirt, it looks like they're climbing Mount Everest. Huh. Or he puts a monkey on like a leaf and it looks like King Kong. He's been sharing these on Twitter. I actually tweeted at him and was like, you've got a really good eye for like focus and framing. I think it's tweeted fascinating. Tweeted at him, not tweeted at him. Oh yeah, I did not tweet at him okay. or else I'd still be feeling it in my parts. <laughs> um, but he's got a really good eye for focus and um, and light. And I, I think it's fascinating. I'm not sure he would come on. I, I, I have still have a hard time like kind of um, wrapping my head around. I think people on Twitter are kind of wrapping their heads around what exactly he's doing, but I think it's very interesting and artistic. And Chris, if you're listening, we're big fans. I know, like, I just would love to have a conversation about the way that you set these things up and the inspiration for the individual setting. I feel like we could do a month of the long family. We should just start a sitcom with those guys, you know, like we'll just call it like go long. (laughs) <laughs> it's, just so how, creative. it's just howie howie and the boys just you know doing whatever and the mom is can be like you know the lady who played mrs Seaver on growing pains boom it'd be How, awesome well, hollywood call if, us so if we get if we get him on wait which one was that kyle or chris that was chris chris okay so if chris comes on we have to do I'd also like to talk to him then about the documentary film Marwin Call, which was about a guy who set up really elaborate yes. uh, scenes with action figures oh, of this fictional town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Marwin Call, and it's like how war affected it and things like that. Uh, it was fascinating. Uh, and I think it could also be a way to start the just not sports movie club oh which i guess i buried the lead uh in my hotel room during super bowl week i was usually in around 10 amc was playing rocky yes yes amc was playing rocky in the morning and i watched rockies one and two i saw a lot of turtle i saw a lot of turtles that i was not expecting uh-huh. Uh, that I think they kind of get left out. Um, and yes. one thing I really enjoyed in Rocky Two was the sort of reversal where uh, where Rocky gets lazy and won't train and Apollo is hungry and wants to regain all that he lost in the split decision at the first one. So uh, so yeah, I'm now I've now seen two Rocky films and I will just keep going. So Joe. Thank you. Did you watch Rocky over the weekend? Joe is Joe is looking ashamed. I'm like the disappointed father asking why his son didn't make the team. All right, so add Marwin call to the Just Not Sports movie list. I will. I will. So if you've got a hammer, you got someone you want us to talk to, just hit us up at justnotsports at gmail or tweet to us at justnotsports. Right now, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, We've got an interview with Ray Austin. Uh, some of you may not remember his name just right off the top of your head, but you've definitely seen Ray Austin. He's been on the Bravo reality show 100 Days of Summer. He's been on Chicago PD, Chicago Fire in a recurring role, and uh, just someone who's been in a boatload of commercials. We're going to talk to him about uh, his you know, parlaying his NFL career with, with the Chicago Bears, 
into a regular acting gig. We're going to talk to him about what life is like behind the scenes at reality TV. He gets really candid about how the producers sort of steered and manipulated the show. It's very interesting stuff. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to jump right into the conversation. So stay tuned. You do not want to miss it. Oh, now look here, my boy. It's about to start. Fill it, my boy, with the sound of your heart. Make it go boom, shalom. understand you know you've got a recurring character on the uh the chicago trilogy as we call it in my house with uh P- <laughs> pd fire and um and, yeah. uh, and i told <laughs> and my man, whoa whoa it's about to be more than that now you know that right wait there's gonna be it's gonna be the the chicago quadrology <laughs> oh it's about to be the quadrology it's uh uh chicago laws coming out Oh, suddenly oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, somewhere my wife just got really excited because she watches all three religiously Loves the shows. Oh, wow. And when I told her we were doing this, the first thing she's, I said, do you have any questions? And she said, yeah, ask him if he can set me up with Jesse Lee Sulphur. So Jesse Lee. <laughs> a- awkward, <laughs> awkward for me. <laughs> There's only one name in this house that I don't bring up, and that's Idris Alba. That's my wife. is like, yeah, if you ever run into, I'm like, I'm never going to run into it. So stop even talking about it. Well, I guess the the first thing people want to know is, is the show filmed in Chicago? And the answer is yes, correct? It's all filmed here, right? Oh, Totally. So, I mean, you're talking Halstead. You're talking. I mean, I, I one of my one of my actual scenes was six blocks away from my house that I shot. So they said come to set. I literally, you know, could jump on the bus if I wanted to. It was that, <laughs> it was that close. So everything shoots in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a different. It's a different community in entertainment community now. It, when when I first got started, it was it was really commercial and you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's really, it was really, really commercial. And the, 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 uh, series and the movies weren't here yet. And now you jump up, you know, I've, you know, I've been in the game for 12 years. So you jump eight to 10 years up. I mean, empire, Chicago, fire, PD, boss, prison breaks, crisis, you know, transformers, all that stuff started to come here. And now, you know, Chicago's starting to become that, you know, that entertainment buzz that everybody's starting to like, you know. So it's it's all it's awesome for us because we're, you know, and awesome for the production and grip and all the people, you know, everybody's working now. And it's, it's a really good time right now for Chicago. When did you first land your first part on the on the show? Ooh, on fire, man. Um, it was the second season. It was a real small you know, words, a couple sentences. And I think that's how, you know, these, these shows are, you know, they, they get their main characters, of course, out of LA. And then a lot of my friends are on all these other shows. Uh, One of my really good friends is Bunky off of Empire. And actually Tyrese, another one of my friends is Tyrese off of Empire. He's like the ghetto producer. So it's like, we kind of, you know, we kind of get the, and then they're both my competition in everything I do. So but just, it's real cool. We all fun and it's all fun and games. And it's all over. But, you know, it's it's one of those things like you kind of get initiated in, you know what I'm saying? They give you a little part. They see how you do and they give you a little bit more. They see how you do. So, you know, it's so funny. My I this time is like I really got like a few scenes, you know, and I, I was supposed to shoot tomorrow. But uh, I'm shooting on Wednesday and Thursday, and, you know, I've got a nice little scene. I don't want to tell you about it, but when it comes up, it's it's really cool. So I feel good about it, and they're actually kind of making it like, you know, this is – like I'm going to be back. And my agent was like, hey, 
you got to read the script. It looks, as, you know, it's real promising. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the first responding comp. So, you know, it seems like I'll probably be in a lot of stuff, you know, based off of that. So, you know, we'll see. It's all, it's all, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, I'm excited about it. So we'll definitely see. Well, you're Officer Hiller. So did you do that thing that yeah. ac- actors do where they're like, I'm going to invent an entire backstory for my guy, even if I'm just like standing in the background? Like, did you, did you have a process where you were trying to dimensionalize who Officer Hiller is? I still do that. Like, ah. to, I mean, even What's the story when then? I get sto- when I get a story, well, when I get a storyboard, when I get any type of um, a deal, I'll kind of look at, and, and I'm, I'm going to just tell you how many times I've played a cop. So I played cop on Prison Break. I played cop on Beast with Patrick Swayze. Uh, I was a, the the uh, the Cook County Sheriff on Boss with uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer. I don't know if you remember that show. Oh yeah, uh, Chicago Code. I was a I was a cop now fire and PD. So I have played a cop of, a lot of times. I have two good friends that are cops. My my wife's both of her brothers are cops, and we you know I just watch their mannerisms, and I you know I I'm I'm still a good guy. I was like I'm not a bad guy yet. So I didn't I didn't I didn't try to come up with a you know a story of like okay I'm one of those guys that's like a you know shady cop or nothing. They they wanted it really serious, really blank, you know, very, uh, he, he loved his job. He's serious about his job and he does his job really well. So I was like, okay, I want to come off like that. You know, even though I've got a cop suit on, I still want to, you know, stand with my chest up, you know, speak, you know, be firm. My father was a drill sergeant. So I kind of get a lot of that from him trying yeah. to be real serious and have those serious looks and look a man straight in his eyes, shake their hand, you know, little stuff like that. So it's, it's all the mannerisms that people don't realize that, the physical part, even if you have a small line, you know, that small line can, can, can say a lot when you, you know, depending on how you walk away or what you say with your face and whatnot. So what's the key to walking, not to cut you off. What's the key to walking like a, like a cop? Walking like a cop. Like you said, the manner is, you know, like you gotta, like, like if I be honest with you, you know what it is, is taking up space. Meaning that, you know, when I get out of this car, Ah. I, I'm about to do something serious. This is not a joke. I'm not coming and walking up to you with a joke. What I'm dealing with is serious. So there is no play. There's no good out. There's chest up. I, it's, it's, it's about as man as it comes. That's how I always say. Every time I put this stuff on, and I didn't realize that, you put on so much stuff. And right. it's, it's layer after layer after layer. They, even, even in my little scenes in, with one-liners or whatever, I still have to put the bulletproof vest, vest on. I still got to have a gun. I still got to have a, you know, taser on the belt, you know, all those things. So it's like, you know, when I'm there, it's, it's sharp. You know, you, I make sure my, my tie is straight, my collar is straight, everything, you know, <laughs> it's and because, you know, I, my dad was like that. My dad was a drill sergeant. So he, everything was starched. Everything was shiny. Everything was like, you know, creased. And, you know, I, I do the same thing. Like I'm about to go to work. I love it. I I love when I love when people on TV are really like, you know, in whatever role are just really taking everything seriously. I, you can always tell like if there's a show, if someone's just like mailing it in because the camera will find them. You cannot. You, oh, totally. If you don't if you're if you're in a cop uniform and you're just like standing with slouching shoulders or whatever, then you are not a cop and I can find you. Thank you. It's it, you mean you just said it, it is literally you you are coming into a you don't know what the situation is 
So this is not a slumping situation. It's a situation of seriousness. Your head's got to be straight. You have to be in a focus. You know, it's it's interesting, man. I, I mean, I learn a lot. And, and I don't know if you know this, but on those shows, there are actually EMTs and there are actually actual uh, firefighters and there are actually cops on like on, on, on the show. So when I'm in a, when I'm in the car and the, tr- like I'm the first respondent. So there's actually a real cop that's driving my car. So, wow. you know, I'm the, I'm the passenger cop. Yeah. So he deals with that. We both get out and he's, he's an actual real cop. So, and he, you know, we, I always talk to the same guy. He's a great guy. His name's Lewis. And he just, you know, we all, you know, just shoot the shit and just have a good time. And, you know, he just, man, I, I ask him, how am I doing? He says, man, I'm doing, you're doing great. And I'm like, well, you're doing great too. So, so it's cool. So people think being an actor is just like a glamorous life. How much, in what profession do you have to stand around in between things more, the NFL or being an actor? Man, please, let me tell you something. And I'd have done them both. I'd have been on the field and I'd have been <laughs> in, a, in, a, in an audition, okay? I'm going to tell you right now, and maybe it's because football came natural to me, but this is way harder. It's yeah. absolutely way harder. I believe and people it. think, oh, well, you know, and the actors tell me, like, oh, man, whatever, I would have. I thought football was way harder. Well, that came easy for me. You know what I mean? Because it was more physical and, and, and the mental popped in. But this is so subjective. And, you know, when you're on set, man, people don't realize this. And I do a ton of commercials. That's really where I was my, my, my meat and potatoes. But you're on, you're on set for eight to ten hours and you and literally can be sitting for three. I mean, three to four hours sitting, yep. they, every change of camera, every point of view, you're, that's a good hour. It's a good hour that you're going, you know, every time they go break, they got to change the camera, they got to change the lens, man, it's, a, it's at least an hour. Absolutely. And it's such a regulated industry. So there's, there's breaks, there's lunches, there's everything needs to happen on a schedule. I, I can imagine that it, you came from a regimented profession having worked or, you know, played in, in sports, but I could imagine some people just, if they're not mentally tough enough, they're not going to last. And if you don't let, la- if you're not mentally tough on set, you're going to get called out and you're going to get kicked off. Cause there's always another guy that can step right up. And that's the interesting, that's the interesting thing that I got from this whole thing is that's how football helped me because I was so competitive. You know, it was, it was doggy dog, alpha dog. Every man on that team was an alpha dog. And you knew that like it, and it was like, that guy behind me and the guy in front of me is trying to eat, and so am I. And we, have, I got to figure out a way to keep a job, whether it's special teams, whether it's a nickel dime guy, whatever it is. I got to figure out a way to stay on this on this team. And it's the same way when you go into audition. You know, I take that same mentality. I don't take that mentality like, oh, okay, man, I got to get my lines. What, man, I'm already focused. I'm like, I already won this. I already got it. Y'all don't know it, but I already got it. And <laughs> that may have. I mean, seriously, that may. That's that maybe that's that Eric and got cocky defensive back in me, but that's real. Like you cannot have any type of insecurities or or or, or fear. It's like, yeah, I mean, I I still get nervous. I get I'm nervous even waiting, you know, for Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> but you have to kind of flip that and say, how can I use that energy, that exciting energy, and put it into what I'm doing? And I think that's where I like I, I I've been successful based off of just you know, having that football man tie, like, I'm going to win. This is mine. It's, that's the only way I see it. I don't see the rest of y'all. I just see all I got to do in there is do me. If I go in there and do me, it's a wrap. You guys can go home. <laughs> do you rehearse your lines in front of the mirror? 
Man, I do the I do because uh, I do a lot of print work too. So I, I'm always in front of my mirror. Yeah. I'm always talking. My wife, you know, my I, my wife goes. She's awesome because she'll go over some of my lines with me, and we'll just be sitting on the couch, or she'll be cooking, and she'll come and she go, babe. So when you was da da da, she'll do the line in front of me, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hold on, uh, yeah, oh, so okay, uh, breathe, you know. <laughs> and it's a little joke, but it's like you know. That's when I started learning, like, okay, I can memorize stuff or I can walk around and, you know, touch things and ride my bike and drive and go over my lines because then it becomes natural conversation and it's not, it don't, it don't sound rehearsed. Right. Now, if you've done Chicago, oh, of course. Um, Now you've done Chicago PD, you've done Chicago Fire. If you do Chicago Med, do you get like a triple crown ring you get to wear or something from NBC? So that is the that is the the goal. It's now that I know that I'm going to be popping off both these shows. So the fact that the, both of the shows are doing really well, and that's awesome. And uh, you can tell that there, you know, more seasons are going to be signed on. And there are certain roles like nurses, cops, firemen, EP, you know, EMTs, uh, secretaries that work at the station. You know, those people are going to continually get seen in those those uh, roles. So with another show coming me working with these shows dick wolf is so awesome like he is just saying look i'm just gonna grab the same people off the other show and put them on other shows i mean they all work together anyway right. i mean how great is that i mean that was he did that so well you know when he with his other shows it just kind of meshes and it kind of works together because my last episode i was actually in the all the hospital of chicago med so you know, I, that's when I knew I was like, Oh, I was outside the, so close outside the, the, the woman that got, yeah. So I know, like, I, I was like, Oh wow, I'm shooting in Chicago med. Cause when you go to the studio, all three of them are shooting in the same area. Right. If that makes sense. All yeah. the studios are like the inside studio, like the hot day that they, that looks like the hospital or whatever, or the fireplace, they're all in the same area. Cause I actually went to the wrong trailer and they were like, Oh no, your trailer's over there this time because you know, we're shooting, you're shooting PD. I'm like, Oh, yep, that's right. My bad. You know? So yeah. No, I, I I love it. My wife watches all the shows. So by extension, I watch the show. I watch all the shows every week. Uh, they're very entertaining. Actually, I was on a plane. This is funny. I was on a plane with Sophia Bush. I want to say about a year ago. Um, and she was, you know, she was just took her seat, very understated doing her thing. And then all this, it was a plane in New York. And then all of a sudden they start playing, uh, Chicago PD. And I just remember thinking, like, what is she thinking? Like, she's just, you know, trying to mind her own <laughs> business. And, I mean, have you ever been out somewhere where, you know, like, I mean, these shows are like ubiquitous, where, you know, you just kind of run into like a billboard of your, a billboard of your show or anything else like that that you're just like, oh, wow. Dude, yeah. that's so funny you said that I was actually returning some franchise email and my, my experience commercial popped up. And I laugh, you know, when I see my wife is, she just right. chuckles. She just loves this shit. Like, it's hilarious when she's, oh, there you go. And you sit right here. And you open. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. But um, it's, it's awesome, you know, when you, and I, 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 it's so funny. I don't, to me, I get, I get noticed like, you know, hey, you on TV. It's, I get that right. or I get, did you used to play football? The same thing. So it's almost kind of like, I think he might do something, but he probably, he, he just looks like he does it. But, you know, so it's like, it's all good to me. So we all know the Chicago trilogy and soon to be quadrilogy. Thank you for the spoiler there. Um, is a, yeah, it's dude, an insti- yeah. We all know it's an institution here. Another institution in Chicago was the Bravo show 100 Days of Summer. 
the reality show that you were a part yeah. of. I'm a big fan of the Bravo yep. reality franchise. I used to be an entertainment reporter, so I covered reality TV on the more, you know, I covered it seriously oh, nice. as an institution. I want to okay. I want to just say it didn't get it got one season and it was done. If it had had another mm-hmm. season, what do you think would have been the biggest like storyline drama that we would have seen? Oh, I already know what it would have been. Please. Um, did you hear? Did you hear about Jay Michael? He he passed away two two weeks ago. Oh, are you serious? Wow, I uh, did not. Lymphomia. I did not know that. What a downer. So so last year, or I'm sorry. So eight to ten months ago, um, and I still keep in touch with him, Vince. Uh, I see Lonnie every now and then. Um, uh, I, Pascal, me and her really stay in touch. We kind of stay in touch over social media or whatever, but yeah. we, we all stay in touch. A, a group of us do. Tara, I just talked to Tara a, a couple weeks ago. Um, he was in Europe and was jogging and felt a big pain in his chest. He was literally in Europe the last day, went on a jog, went to the hospital before he got on a plane to come back to America and found out he had stage four lymphoma. Jeez, that's terrible. And, and so he, what he did in the last eight, to six months, he chronicalized all he was going through with it. So everybody saw the stages of it. So I don't know if you want to go, if you went on my Facebook or his Facebook, you'll see it all just kind of, you know, and it, and you know, it was so crazy. Like when he passed, everybody gave him so much love. It was, it was like three days of people just, you know, that he knew. And I mean, one of the greatest guys I ever met, like, I think that would have been one of one of the things for sure. I think with me getting married would have been, uh, it, you know, even though it's two years past, it, you know, um, I, me and my wife, I've known my wife for ten years, and we, she went off to school, we separated, and that's what happened when I was with that, with the girl on the show, and we broke up instantly after that show. It was just like, oh, that's not gonna work, and uh, <laughs> she, you know, she, she she moved back to the burbs and. Um, you know, Tara got married. So I, I think to me, it had probably been those two or three stories. You know, they would have definitely saw, you know, Jessica and Vince are still together. The the little boy is amazing. This kid is just, a, um, he's just the cutest little kid. They're in, uh, I think they're in Jamaica right now. And uh, yeah, I think those would have, you know, Tara just had a baby too. So I think, you know, we would have saw some of those, uh, uh, you know, relationships kind of, kind of, you know, mature and whatnot. And, you know, you would have seen all the stuff that I've done with the, with the acting and then also franchise. So I, I think, I, I think everybody was a little disappointed and it was really gonna go. And then it just kind of fell apart at the last minute, which, you know, things happen for a reason. So, Hey, I, I, it would have probably been difficult trying to do that right now, or, you know, with all the stuff I had going on. So it, it you know, I think, you know, things happen for a reason. One of the reasons I think the show may not have gotten picked up is because it didn't have some of the signature crazy drama that other Crap, Bravo yeah. shows like Vanderpump Rules mm-hmm. have. So is it is that because you guys got along or were you existing friends beforehand? You know what happened? We all actually kind of got along and that was the problem. <laughs> it's like the like, death knell for Bravo. Was- Andy, Andy Cohen must have been so pissed at you, man. Dude, it was like they kept trying to, you know, they were putting us in these positions and it was just like, I don't get this. We Wait, all, how, how would they do that? How would they how would they drop you into well, like drama? It, it, it would it would go. Let me see. Here's a good. Uh, and it was of course the girls, of course. But you know the girls would have a runway show or have a party, and I would suppose that I remember. I think I had a party one time, 
And I, of course, I didn't really care at the time because my girlfriend didn't like uh, Pascal. So I had to invite her and they had to hear me invite her. And I was like, well, why? I wouldn't normally invite her or Vincent to, to what I'm going. I don't think that would be their scene, you know, and that's OK, because they can invite me some stuff and it might not be my scene. So when I would invite them and they would say no, they would try to. Well, why do you think he wouldn't invite you? Why do, why do you? Why do you think he wants to go? And there was a little situation that happened. I had invited him a few times to a certain couple of things. And the fact that he was telling me that he was going to come, that's where that started. The, you know, I was like, okay, this guy's full of shit. You know, he, he doesn't do anything. He says, I, he's not, you not only lies to me. I've seen him lie a few other times. And it's like, okay, I got who this guy is. And I think they wanted to try to push that as much as they, they wanted to. And, you know, and then of course my girlfriend and a few other girls were just, you know, it just wasn't enough. I don't think it was enough. I think people were like, look, I still got to work in Chicago. And I think we all know that about Chicago. Like I am too much out here in Chicago to, 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 to be that person. I don't want to be that asshole or that be, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. if I'm that way for the entire year, when I come back to the industry, they're going to be like, dude, you wild out and I don't know who that guy was and I couldn't do, you know, I, 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 I couldn't be something I wasn't, you know, that's just not my style. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not the dude that's going to be that guy out there. And it's just like, look, you guys can try to make stuff and make stuff up, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm just not that guy. And the people that know me are going to see and go, that's not right. And that's what I was afraid. I was like, see, that's why I'm not going to sit here and just do stuff because you guys are asking me to get mad. And I'm like, I can't do that. That's, that's not, that's, I just, I wouldn't care. I would like, screw him. I'll, I'll have fun and we're going to have fun without him. You know, whatever. It, it was weird to watch the show because living in Chicago, we had a much better feel for like where you were, you know, the, the neighborhoods, the places you were going. And I was curious, did, did people mess with you like they did when the real world was here or did they leave you alone for the most part? Um, they actually loved it, which was so crazy. Everywhere we went, people loved it. People were like, oh my gosh, everywhere we went, which I I thought was kind of cool. The thing that I was a little disappointed in was they showed one side of Chicago and I, and I, and I really, a lot of things that I wanted to bring out of the show that I was like, look, I'm the only African-American guy on this show. And you guys, everything that I've asked to do, you guys have figured out a way not to do it. We were going to do Donovan McNabb's uh, charity event with his mom. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do that. I tried to do something with, um, uh, we were going to do something with the, uh, the bears. Cause Larry Fitzgerald was p- playing. And I was like, Hey, look, let's go here. Fitz is my guy. And they were like, Oh, we gotta go through too much to do that. And I was like, okay, fine. Simeon high school was having their all white, uh, uh, party which is a, a it's just an event you know in chicago that everybody kind of wants to go to and it's, it's safe it's not a bunch of you know crap you know i don't i don't hang out places that that's going to put people in jeopardy of danger or anything like that i just thought you know it was a comedy club i wanted to take them to you know it was like a real def jam type of thing and everything had uh well uh, and that's when i was kind of like turned off like see you guys got me going to all these other places that which I'm totally fine with because I, I know all these places anyway, but that's only one side of Ray. You know, you're not showing, you know, you're going to, I didn't think that an African-American uh, 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 audience was going to be there based off of that. And I said, that's not cool. Like, that's not all. I can go to a hookah spot. I could go to a comedy <laughs> club and I can go rock out and watch, listen to the Black Keys and Lollapalooza. If you guys don't show that, 
that's not really showing who I am. And I, and I was a little frustrated about that during, you know, as we were shooting. Well, I, I don't think they left river North, man. Like it, every time we were watching it, I was it, it like, was, go to Wicker yeah. park, go to uptown. Like no, we lived in oh, Ravenswood. I'm like, thing. come up here. And that was another thing. I was like, yo, let's go to standard and, <laughs> and, and hit this crawfish uh, boil. Let's go to Will's North Woods like, and sit cool? outside and drink drink whiskey until like it, the sun goes down. Like something just just like people chill. do in Bucktown. Like <laughs> yeah. they didn't. It, it was just this whole Nelco and I was like, dude, <laughs> I get it. Like, but what? There's way more other places in Chicago that I would hang out at, and I think a lot of people, except for Lonnie and Vince. We're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, it was a, yeah. it was a couple of people were like, this is all we're doing. The wit, the, you know, uh, uh, underground. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I get it. They won't even let me in there, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. they're, they're like, sir, sir, you need to go back up north of Irving Park, please. Thank you. <laughs> what? We go, go there. Will you, you let me know. You want to go, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. We'll go. I think, I, I think there's a market. If, if Andy Cohen, I know you're a regular listener of this show, so I think there's a market to come back to Chicago at some point and show the real Chicago because that show, to your point, it did not do it at all. It didn't try. It, it didn't did. try. It showed, it showed this. It showed this glamorous, bougie Chicago where I was like, um, "Yeah, I don't eat out at all these restaurants all the time. I may hit one of these restaurants in a month. I, you know, maybe I may hit all these restaurants in a year." But these other places, Wicker Park, Bugtown, Bronzeville, Hyde Park. How do you not go to Hyde Park and you come to Chicago? Like the diversity there alone, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just little stuff like that. Just kind of like, um, uh, I just got turned off, man. It was, that was, and they kind of felt that. Like, I was like, I stopped. I just stopped. I just literally stopped asking to do stuff. I was like, you guys don't want everything <laughs> I bring up. You guys like, don't want to do. So I don't even want wiped up. You're like, I guess I'll go back on the architecture tour again for the third straight week. Thanks, guys. Right. Uh, right. Well, Wait, I mean, come on. We're doing the boat deal. Like, yeah. how, like come on. No one you do, you do that when your deal. parents like, visit. You know? It's like, okay, I guess. I'm like, dude, come on. I'll uh, do it. I get it. All right. Let's do it. Well, right. I know you, you, you've talked a lot about your acting. We clearly covered the reality show, but you've also transitioned into entrepreneurship. Tell me a little bit about this project franchise you're doing, F-A-N Chise. Man, dude, let me tell you something. I done did some cool stuff in my life. I ain't gonna lie. Playing ball and just acting stuff is, don't get me wrong, I love it all. This right here is going to be the best and the coolest thing I've done to date. I mean, franchise is just, it's, it's this awesome creation about like these guys that, that everybody loves football, like everybody loves football, but everybody has an opinion about their team and what they want to do and what they would do. So we like, well, cool. Let's just open up a platform for everybody to tell us what they want their football team to do, whether it's the logos, designing the jerseys, um, calling the plays, uh, management, scouting, everything. And and all of us have our own little specialties, whether it's marketing and con, uh, uh, content. And I don't I don't know if you had a, if you even know who Patrick is or a chance to talk to Patrick. Patrick is amazing. He's he's this online gamer that's got like thirty thousand followers. Every time he you know puts a YouTube up, and it's just like it were like everybody we have the niche of a Super Bowl team to make this thing work. And that's what just is so cool about it. And it, this will this will be revolutionary. Like what we're trying to do 
is like a revolution. Like we're literally giving the power back to the people that are watching. And so to and explain we, and, it. And, and where this can. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Just to explain, I mean, you guys have purchased the rights to an indoor football team, I believe. And then fans will be able to, as you yeah. mentioned, influ- influence not just the design of the, you know, the team, but also you're working on technology to let them actually like sort of use social media to vote on play calling and instantly interaction instantly interact with the team in real time which sounds we're insane basically yeah. allowing you to we, we we're, we're turning your mobile device into a playbook a front office that you would check in like you would check in the fantasy football you go you will go you're going to this is going to be a job for you now it's like we we have now a million employees that work with us not for us because we're only setting the platform up they're the wins, the loss, the success and failures, it ain't on us. It's on the fans. And that's what makes it so great. So we don't even know. We might end up having polka dot jerseys, dog. We have no clue. We might be called the Las Vegas buttholes. We have no clue what they decide to call <laughs> us, what they want the logo to be, what they want the jersey. We have no clue. And we're all okay with that. Well, I'm super okay. If you're, if you're the Las Vegas buttholes, I want the first shirt sent right to me. I'll wear it. I'll wear it on the show for a year, man. That I'm in. I'm all in. Well, people can follow Franchise on Twitter at at Franchise. That's F A N C H I S E. They can follow you at Ray Austin thirty six. Ray, it's it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for giving us so much time. I mean, it, we'll look for you on Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and soon Chicago Med. We know it's coming. I may need to start. It's coming, bro. It's I may need coming. to start tweeting at Dick Wolf tonight and just being like, "Get this done." <laughs> That's awesome, dude. And I then, love it, man. Hey, Chicago! Think, hey, Chicago that. Law needs a bailiff. Chicago Law needs a bailiff. Officer Hiller. Oh, hired. I love it. See, see, I like the way you're thinking. I like that. Dick Wolf listens. I'm put, I, might He's to there. Put, I might have to say that on on, on set tomorrow. I'll be like, "Yo, they got a bailiff." For- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Five years ago, Adam and I attended the Super Bowl in Dallas between the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We waited in security for about three hours, about 30 people in front of Rashid Wallace, who was a little bit less happy about waiting in security (laughs) behind us. We got some beers, we got some $20 burgers, and we got into our seats, and that's when we heard this. Whose broad stripes and bright stars What so proudly we watched at the twilight less dreaming. I don't know if you actually picked up on it, but that's Christina Aguilera, or known as her formal name, Extina, singing our nation's national anthem and botching the words. She actually repeated part of the first verse in the second go-around. It's a moment that we'll talk about more in a second, but strikes me as one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. And it's one of many times that the national anthem at a sporting event has been the subject of either ridicule, scorn, praise, or just jaw-dropping conversation. So with that said, we thought we'd break down some of our favorite times uh, the national anthem has been sung. And first, let me start by this. Gareth, 
you were on site. Were you at the? Were you actually at the game, or had you pieced out by the time the kickoff started? Uh, I was. I was not in stadium uh, for Lady Gaga's national anthem this past Sunday, but that's the one I was going to say was the my nominee for the best. Uh, really, the best ever. I can jump right into it. Uh, Better than Whitney look, Houston. Let's Whitney just have Houston this right now. Yeah. Better and than Whitney just, Houston. Yeah, yeah, look, Come on. Nothing's better you know. than Whitney. Listen, all right, look, Whitney Houston is the best ever, but it's the old, like, you've got to throw out the highest and lowest. So let's throw Whitney Houston out and let's throw Roseanne out, okay? And let's we're going to have a much more interesting in conversation if we just get those two so out So wait, of the you're throwing out the, the okay. Let's talk about Roseanne Gareth, being the quick. worst. Gareth, you're throwing out the two best? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got it. But, got it. Yeah. Uh, We're all slow. What, what I wanted to say about Lady Gaga is I think that everybody's very happy about it. And then there's this natural backlash to be like, you're just saying that it's a recency bias, yada, yada, yada. One of my favorite episodes of any podcast. And like uh, we've said on here, we're big fans of the canon. But they had Matt Gorley on who does who runs basically the Wolf Pop Network. And he did a podcast, uh, an episode of the canon where he argued that Casino Royale with Daniel Craig was the best James Bond movie of all of them. And he knows them all. And he says, you're going to disagree with me because it's so recent and you have nostalgia for Dr. No. But if you could take your blinders off and just accept the fact that Daniel Craig is awesome and this movie is awesome, you would understand that this is actually the best James Bond and I think Lady Gaga is going to suffer from some of that immediate recency bias backlash where she's good. No, she can't be that good. But in reality, that was an awesome national anthem that deserves to stand with any of the other great ones from over the years. So I'm going Lady Gaga, despite the fact that I was actually just watching it on the comp- in the compound on TV like everybody else. So No, those go. are all fair points. So, Adam, I guess my question to you would be, how racist is Gareth? He's the pro- uh, either is <laughs> racist or he's looking at Whitney in in hindsight, following all of her drug use and shenanigans <laughs> and the reality series with Bobby Brown, and somehow judging her for a national anthem performance on that because vocally, there is no other number one. This is like Vince Carter. In 2002, after the slam dunk contest, they should have just fucking canceled it. And after Whitney Houston did her rendition no of No more the, national anthem. It's over. Yeah, Mike drop. No more national anthem. We're just going to play this at the beginning of Super Bowl every year at every sporting event, at every little league game, at every uh, church event. We're just going to put Whitney Houston on a loop. The rest of it, you're done. Gareth, any defense? I... I- Listen, you'll hear no dis- – let me put it this way. There's only one version of the national anthem that I ever bought as a maxi single, and that was Whitney okay. Houston's. You know, I went yeah, that was to two weeks ago. the local Coconuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and bought Whitney Houston. That thing became a radio hit. I mean, that thing took on a life of its own and exists sort of outside – I don't know. Like I'm saying, outside the standards of – how people judge uh, national anthems. I know people also like to, well, Bill Simmons likes to bring up uh, Marvin Gaye's NBA All-Star yes, Game that's great. national anthem for the early 80s, but that's just that's strictly a YouTube reference for me, and I don't understand the cultural significance in the moment. 
Here's so. the thing about the national that's anthem. That's funny. That's like half the stuff we talk about in Joe. Yeah, right. Oh, that sounds great, you old timers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rocky yeah, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing about the national anthem. So I believe, I'm 95% sure Whitney Houston did sing to a recorded track. It's an amazing vocal performance, but it did not happen live in the stadium. Lady Gaga was clearly singing to a vocal track. I mean, at least, I mean, look, if, if Gaga's people are going to sue uh, me, but, that's fine. Uh, Aguilera and the, Aguilera in the stadium, Extina in Dallas, she sang it live and she screwed it up, but she sounded great. And she came in by herself with no instruments or anything and just rocked it in front of, and as Gareth mentioned, in front of a hundred plus million people. I still find that to be very impressive. And I, and I, I always want to tip my hat to the people who I know are just out there not singing to a background track because I just feel like that's a whole other level of pressure and performance. Yeah, I think her vocally what she did was so impressive. I agree with you of being there in the state in that stadium as you or had a $25 hamburger and we we stumbled after being really fatigued. Yeah. It still sounded amazing. The only I don't so much even blame her for messing the words up. Uh, people have done it before. She still sounded great. What I don't like is towards the end of her performance, she kind of did what a lot of national anthem singers tend to do, where they almost remix the song. They change the notes and the tone, and it sounds like a different song. R. Kelly, of course, being the worst offender of all time. But what she's about Jamie Foxx at the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight? Uh, yeah, I agree. It might as well have started Something's- with him being like, and <laughs> just singing it because it sounded like nothing I've ever before. <laughs> Air horn. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you take you take certain liberties, and that's the fun thing about the national anthem. I, I will disagree with you there because I think that what makes it, if everyone just came out and rolled out and sang it, it'd be like you're at the the Cubs uh, Padres game in April where did they get like the the dude from down the street to do it? I like in the biggest games when someone's like. I know I can solve this bad boy. And then you're like, no, sir, you did not, unfortunately for you. But do you like it because of the, do you like it because it's a train wreck? It's interesting. Okay. It's the na- it's the national anthem. It's like saying in the Pledge of Allegiance, you might as well just take a chance or at least like if you're Extina, like, you know, roll out and show us what you got. I don't know. It. I have more respect for someone who takes a chance and fails than I do for someone who gets up there and sings to a pre-recorded track, unless that track is so amazing like the Whitney Houston or maybe Gareth wants to argue Gaga fine you you nail it in the studio cool but I'd rather see someone put their balls on the wall and that's it for the record I thought Lady Gaga was outstanding as well just not number one yeah that's fine but that's what you would say yeah no, look, fucking I just uh... <laughs> oh yeah there you go racist hipster at that <laughs> um I just want to say I have no problem with anybody at this point doing any of this stuff to a recorded track. Like I said about the players earlier, I just think the pressure is so high and the scrutiny is so great that if you just needed to, you know, have a little something to go along with, I, I watch one of the coolest moments of the Super Bowl was getting to watch uh, dress rehearsal of the halftime. And I assume every bit of that was pre-recorded and rehearsed. And, you know, that's fine with me. Oh, interesting note on that. While Beyonce was rehearsing because she played her new song, they had it piped into the earpieces for her and her dancers so they could rehearse the dance and timing, but they never actually played it within the stadium. Hmm. So it would just go silent for the Beyonce part of rehearsal. So yeah. cool. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about some of the more memorable anthem fails. 
everyone knows the Carl Lewis one, which I think is probably the most famous botched job for just vocal performance. He didn't forget the words. Like Michael Bolton's forgot the words and had to like check his hand. Other people have sort of, um, you know, there's like the fate. Was it Maurice Cheeks who was coaching the Blazers and had to put his arm around the little girl? And that was like a really special moment. 2003, yes. The Carl Lewis one, though, is he was at a Nets Bulls game back in the first Jordan, you know, three Pete era. And that's the one where Charlie Steiner on SportsCenter announces it and cracks up on air, and Jack Edwards is hyperventilating. There's a soft spot in heart because he really goes up and tries to get it and fails. I don't know, Joe Reed, maybe you can play this clip for us. Oh, say can you see And the rockets red Uh-oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. All right, Joe, thanks for doing your job for the first time in your life. <laughs> no, but that 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 whole performance, he's like interacting with the crowd. He's like, he's like stopping him and be like, oh, sorry about that. I'll get it back now. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll get it. <laughs> Wait, give me That's another great. chance. I would love for like Lady Gaga to have stopped midway through him and like, here comes the tricky part. <laughs> Let's do this. It's like, <laughs> it's like here, a reference that Joe can relate to, a young person reference. It's like being at a frat party, Joe, and you're insanely drunk friend is outside he has dropped his wallet and he is repeatedly trying to pick up his wallet as he stumbles <laughs> and falls over and over again and you feel bad for him but you're not going to stop him you're not going to pick up his wallet for him you're just going to watch the carnage happen in front of you gareth was the roseanne infamous crotch grab national anthem truly offensive or do you think it was just publicity like are you just like eh, that's who roseanne was at the time i mean look it's who she was at the time but I, that i have long stopped commenting on what anything that is that solemn and patriotic to people is offensive i mean like that sort of that is the slipperiest of slippery slopes i mean uh, offensive is a pretty harsh word and it takes a lot to offend me. I would say that it was inappropriate for certain. Uh, uh, but that's the sort of stuff that certain people take very, very seriously. And you sort of have to respect their viewpoint nope. on that. Or if you're not going to at least come with something a little more uh, reasoned than just that, which was totally, you know, crotch groin grabbingly disrespectful as Homer Simpson. Yeah, about. no, you don't have to respect them and I don't. Um <laughs> I, I think that it was I think that you asked a comedian who say what you want to about her somewhat family friendly uh sitcom career, but one of the raunchiest female comedians, if not overall comedians of all time, you asked her to do something live and then you were surprised when it was somewhat Offensive, yes, it prob yes was her performance offensive, yeah. But I think they were setting themselves up for failure just by asking. The, hers is more complicated. Number one, first of all, whoever asked her, did, you had to sing. It wasn't like she right. was, you know, Carol Burnett, and they're like, you know, she's gonna get through this. She's she, no, there was no precedent for her, Roseanne as songstress. But what really pissed people off was that she grabbed a crotch and spat at the end of it, and it seemed like she was doing that toward America. But she later said, no, she was just like making fun uh, of baseball people. And it's hard to tell if that was damage control or if she actually was kind of like F you. Yeah, I think she was. I, 
I believe it because by that point they were being they were she was being booed so much that I took that as her sort of like fuck you to those people and move. Let on. me throw out my my most offensive thing of all time was, and it's not her fault necessarily. She was just put in a, a position to fail. It was the Super Bowl where Jewel was in San Diego. I think it might have been Broncos Packers in '97. Interesting. And okay. Jewel was kind of hot on the scene, and she was singing the national anthem because she's from San Diego. Uh-huh. And she was on a recorded track, and you can go to YouTube and watch it, and she starts late. So it starts, oh, and then she jumps into the mic because she wasn't ready. She was kind of waving to the crowd. And the reason is because there was no musical interlude in the front. It just started with her voice. And I think ever since then, people are like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. If I'm going to be lip-syncing, start it with, so I at least can get my bearings for when to start my vocals. Right, like, oh, and go. Yeah, if that happened today, that would have been all over social media. Like, she got very lucky. If I could, uh, to piggyback on that, uh, in light of recent events, a friend of mine worked on a show back in the day, something similar to, like, VH1 Storytellers or something. And I remember asking him years ago, who's the coolest person that was ever on that show? And he's like, oh, hands down, David Bowie. His only request was that he was able to bring his own lighting guy the end of the day, he took pictures with everybody, answered everybody's questions, and then rather than waiting on a car service, just walked home. And I was like, huh, that's really cool. And I was like, who is the least cool person? Hands down, Jewel. Really? <laughs> I was like, really? Oh, yeah. She's awful. Yes. And I, I just take that as an interesting... I don't think you could find a greater talent disparity either between two artists as that's well. That's a shame. So. I enjoy her summer tea. You guys know what summer teeth are? No. Some are here, some are there. <laughs> Adam. I think Jewel is a beautiful woman. So I guess, uh, Why are you guys saying so this? This was our way of throwing the hammer down to Charlie Whitehurst. Jewel's gorgeous. So. Why would you, I'm being serious. Do you, why are you ripping Jewel? I don't know. Because I can. I'm tired. I'm like, I'm like, what? I have a forum to express my opinion. Your fault, Brad. Yeah. Now who's the racist? <laughs> I think it's going to be tough to get Charlie Whitehurst at this point, though, guys. Sure, we'll uh, Adam, you had one more thing to throw out there. Uh, I'd just like to name drop real quick. Uh, my personal favorite moment was in the early 2000s. A young, little-known singer showed up at Lambeau Field right before his uh, first single was about to drop, as they say in the biz. Yeah. Uh, and I was assigned to walk this young, young singer out onto the field. His name was John Legend. He did an awesome job at Lambeau Field. Oh, is that that Chrissy Teigen's wife? (laughs) Chrissy Teigen's husband. Yeah. yeah. Is that Chrissy Teigen's husband? I don't know. You're going to get your wife John Legend CD for Valentine's Day, or I'll buy it and wrap it up for you. John Legend, noted performer, now current mainstay of public relations work when you need it. (laughs) True. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, if you've got thoughts on the national anthem, shoot us a call. I'll restart that. Do not call us. Please don't call us. I'm so busy. Why did I say that? Choose a call. Joe will answer, but he won't Choose have to call. Joe's call. Here's it Joe's could be cell pretty phone. short. If you, Sparkle Ponies, if you have a favorite national anthem moment, please find many other online ways to get in touch with them. Uh, get in touch with us. You could try us at Twitter at Just Not Sports. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Email us tips, thoughts, and topics, justnotsports at gmail.com. Let's end with some shout-outs. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Ray Austin from the Chicago Bears, who um, 
has really gone on to an interesting career post NFL. I love the the candor he talked about, like being on set at on reality TV. I loved uh, talking to him about like just what life is like trying to break into the acting biz, and really kind of applaud him for just opening up about it. and And I hope he keeps at it, man. I want to see more athletes on my TV. Gareth, got any shout outs today? Yeah, shout out to Lady Gaga for such a stirring national anthem. Shout out to everyone who worked on the Super Bowl, including all the players and coaches. That was a grind for the last two weeks, but a lot of fun. We're lucky to get to do it. And shout out to my kids who I should go pick up and put to bed right now. To kind of wrap up the Super Bowl conversation, same with you, Gareth. I'd like to shout out all the people um, who I worked with at Super Bowl who helped execute a great week, but also the beautiful thing about it. And the thing that I never take for granted is uh, working in the, this industry for as long as we have, it's been a really cool thing for me, uh, made a lot of great relationships. And so um, at, at cocktail parties and just at radio row and throughout the week, you see all those people who have helped you along in your career. And I really do feel thankful and appreciative, especially for those of you I've asked to come onto the podcast. Please, we'll see you soon. Um, and of course, as usual, um, I give a shout out to my peeps, uh, my boy Uzi, Def Jeff, the legend, Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and uh, mm, other cousin Ron, my other cousin Ron. Yeah, love that guy. All right, people of Earth, and very sad NFL fans going through withdrawal. Just remember the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal. Booty rappers, stay booty. Stay booty.